facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that focuses on the facts, the latest research and findings in talent acquisition. My name is Peter Weddle. I'm the CEO of TA Tech. And I'm Shalia Gray. I'm the Global Talent Acquisition Lead for Quadient. And we are delighted to have you with us. We, we try to look at the facts from two important perspectives. Shalila looks at them from the perspective of employers and I take a look at them from the perspective of solution providers. And between the two of us, what we try to do is to understand the implications of this research for recruiters and, and talent acquisition professionals. So for today's show, we're going to take a look at a report from Gartner entitled Six Emerging Human Capital Management Technology Trends. But before we do, here's a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for better talent acquisition? Well, you just found it. At Kilo, we provide proven results. We're a team of high-tech developers and recruitment marketing gurus specializing in talent acquisition optimization. We consistently and programmatically deliver our clients quality leads while simultaneously lowering advertising spend. At Kilo, we create meaningful solutions to make your talent acquisition easier. Visit us at Kelo.com. That's K-E-L-O-H.com. Okay, so Shalita, again, we're going to take a look at a report from Gartner. It's entitled Six Emerging Human Capital Management Technology Trends. Man, that's a mouthful. Uh, and, and it's a little different from the other uh, reports that we've looked at. It's not really a research report. Um, it's a white paper where Gartner is focused on six of the 30 human capital management technologies that it tracks. Um, and, and what it does is it, it places these technologies into something it calls its hype cycle, the HCM hype cycle. Uh, and, and that's how they track their development. According to them, the hype cycle, quote, is a graphical representation of the maturity and adoption of a particular technology, practice, discipline, or trend. And it has five stages. It's, it's a little bit like the adoption curve. Uh, there's an innovation trigger followed by a peak of inflated expectations. We've certainly all seen that with technology. Then the trough of disillusionment. We've seen that as well. Followed by the slope of enlightenment and a plateau of productivity. Now, as I said earlier, uh, Start Smart is a podcast that focuses on talent acquisition. So we're going to look at these six technologies, or as many of them as we can cover in today's show. We're going to look at them through the lens of talent acquisition. So here we go. Technology number one, virtual assistance in HCM. The state of the art in HCM, according to the way Gartner describes it, seems to be lagging compared to the way it's used in talent acquisition. I mean, we have conversational AI, we have chatbots. Uh, according to Gartner's hype cycle uh, for, uh, or in contrast, it's going to be five to 10 years before 
the technology in HCM reaches the so-called plateau of productivity. I think we're already rep- uh, approaching that status in recruiting, but I also think we're also just scratching the surface of where we can apply the technology. So, Shalila, enough from me. What do you think? Where are we with voice assistance and talent acquisition? You know, that's one of the things that we have not done a lot with, but I think we could do more. When we think about differently abled uh, candidates and being able to offer them reasonable accommodations through the recruiting process, um, I think that the voice activated piece would be wonderful. Um, I just don't know, you know, the integrations that we need with our um, ATS systems and some of our other systems for that for it to work. I mean, that's that's the issue there. Can we can we bolt it on? Can it be an integration? But I think voice activated would be wonderful. I think it would be great um, on the front end with recruiters because I'm going to take that leap of faith and say that most of us are trying to screen in diversity, not screen it out. So if we hear a female voice or a voice that doesn't sound like ours, we're not scared of it. Well, you know, Gartner doesn't mention it in its little write-up about uh, virtual assistance in HCM. Uh, But clearly, at least in talent acquisition, we really have to worry about bias and ethics. I mean, these are this is a technology that's trained with data from other human activities. And we humans, whether we like it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, we have biases and and prejudices. Uh, And sometimes those can creep into the data and that data informs the technology. Uh, So I I do think, uh, you know, we have to always be careful about it. But we have seen, you know, what I would describe as virtual assistants, conversational AI and, and chatbots at the top of the funnel. Uh, but I don't see any significant applications beyond that, at least not yet. Have Have you seen anything? Um, not with the voice pieces. I mean, I have seen some technology out there. A couple of years ago, I participated in, um, it was sort of like a shark tank for some startup companies. And they were trying to present to us the concierge experience of recruiting. So what if you took technology to take you all the way from candidate apply all the way, to, all the way through candidate screen up until the interview scheduling piece? So I saw AI be used uh, for candidates to, so it it was probing you in relationship to a job. So, you know, instead of just a, how can I help you? It was, what are you looking for? And then someone could upload their resume or whatever. And then I saw it then ask questions like the screening questions you get in questionnaires. It was asking those questions and you're responding real time. And then it took you up to uh, a phone screen that had deeper questions. So I don't know how it was able to, you know, I guess there's certain buzzwords, but deeper questions. And then it took you to let's schedule an interview. Can you tell us about your availability? So I saw it take us pretty far up there. They were call they they scared us because when they showed us that their technology, they said we can re- we can get um, we can replace recruiters in a couple of years, and we're all like. We don't want to replace our recruiters. <laughs> I mean, we want to make it more efficient, but we don't want to replace our recruiters. Who gave you that impression? <laughs> I I do think uh, I do think it would be very cool to have a virtual assistant, maybe even in the form of an avatar, who would be sort of like 
each individual applicant's guide through the recruiting process. You know, they, they have questions about what is their status and, and am I, is any of my data missing or anything? And, and so it's, it's a time of great uncertainty and nervousness for them. And if they had somebody, somebody, some machine that they could rely on, a virtual assistant who was all knowledgeable or at least more knowledgeable than what they can get now, I think that'd be helpful. You know, I've seen certain as certain applications that I thought could be cool. Like, for example, years ago, I applied for a company. It was a Silicon Valley company. And what the recruiter said to me is, I'm your advocate in recruiting, which I thought was very interesting. So I was uh, I was referred by a friend. So it was an employee referral. And so I felt like it was more of we're going to see if we find the right job for you instead of you're applying for a job for us. So they introduced me to several jobs, wanted, you know, by sending me the, you know, the openings and then saying, are you interested in, you know, being considered for any of them? I think those are the kind of things that I could see AI doing, right? So I'm a candidate. I come to your website. I want to join your talent community. And because I'm a part of your talent community, then I get assigned uh, an avatar who says, welcome to our talent community. It's just like welcoming someone to your house. Welcome to my talent community. Can I give you a tour of what we do? Can I do? I think there's some things that you could do to actually help with the employee, the candidate experience. And then being said, would you like to sit in our waiting room till we have a, right, the right opportunity for you? You know, I think there's some things that Avatar could be. So, you know, if somebody's out there has got a lot of money, wants to build this, I'm willing to um, give you a brain dump because I've thought about how it could work. <laughs> Great. Well, but I think I think that uh, example illustrates that we we are definitely further along than a technology that's going to be ready in five to ten years, which is what Gartner is saying virtual assistance and HCM is going to be. So let's put a check mark in the box for talent technology. Technology number two in the Gartner report was internal talent marketplaces. Gartner envisions this technology as sort of the internal equivalent of your external gig employment platform that we we, we see a fairly large number of these days. Gartner doesn't think it's going to mature as an internal marketplace for another five to 10 years. In talent acquisition, in contrast, we already have a similar idea, it seems to me, that's already in operation. It's not exactly the same, I admit it, but our ATS databases are, or at least they can be, the functional equivalent of an internal candidate marketplace. What do you think, Shalita? Are recruiters routinely searching their their internal ATS databases before they go out to the public marketplace? So I, I have three answers for that, three things around that. So the first thing is I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say many of us have CRMs. You know, CRMs have come, come up to speed. So many of us use CRMs to actually go out there and, and source and hunt and all that and, and, and put our silver medalists that go through our HCM so we can do campaigns with them. So you have the CRM, that's an internal tool. You have a lot of candidates in there. And that's also where many of us uh, transition our talent community. The second one is, is that um, there are some applications of this uh, in tools that have been built. So Phenom People has an application in its internal mobility tool that allows you to create your own gig work. So their internal mobility tool was designed. So instead of candidates having the experience of, you know, external candidates have this wonderful experience of all this stuff. Internal candidates just upload your resume to a job. So they built out an experience that uses artificial intelligence. So you get to apply to a job. 
You can match your skills with the jobs. It tells you what percentage of chance, you know, relatively you can, you, you are a match. Allows you to, to link with the LMS so that um, you can see what courses and you also can see other people that do the job. Well, um, the other piece that they have now is a gig function of that of their internal mobility tool. So the gig function allows you to post opportunities internally, um, sh which are short-term projects for internal people to move around, which I thought was really cool until I saw Workday does the same thing. I saw a Workday demo of a Workday release where they have the ability to create gig assignments in, um, in, uh, in Workday. So I think that this is already out there. I think many people in the last three years, it was always before because I attended conferences for the last seven or eight years around the gig economy. There's a company, a group called Staffing Industry Analysts that deal with contract, contract workers. They've been talking about this for years, that this is the next wave. Because if you think about it, there's experienced talent, there is entry-level talent or what people call in um, early entrance. Um, there's contractors, but then there's gig workers. And uh, the, the concept of gig work, they always felt was going to take place because people don't want to like project work. They want to, the immediate gratification. That was the next move. So I think th these types of databases lend itself to gig work. Well, that's very interesting because uh, that would say that Gartner's way off the mark here in terms of their expectation for this technology. It's already out there. It's it's already being used. Uh, but I would like to come back to um, the use of the ATS database uh, uh, for, you know, full-time uh, open positions uh, because, you know, a, a gig platform um is more a transactional experience. Uh, you know, it's, here's the job. Uh, if you're an external candidate, do you want to bid on it? If you're an internal candidate, is there a skills match? Uh, but for a full-time, you know, permanent position, it, it's the, the experience seems to me that you want to have with the people in your ATS database is more like recruitment marketing. It's follow-on communications and it's relationship building. Uh, and, I'm wondering whether you think ATSs are at a place where they can help you do that at this point. No, that's why that's why I think many of us invest in CRMs. You know, the candidate relationship management tool is just like, you know, the Salesforce tools that are out there. There's so much more you can do with it, so much more you can track with it. Um, and if you think about it, everybody in our ATS in the U.S., you, most of us are tracking all of their demographic data, you know, you know, um, gender, ethnicity, all that. And in a, in, a, in a CRM, you don't track that stuff, right? And they're not a candidate in the CRM. They're just a prospect, right? So there's much more that can we, do, we can do for it. The other thing I think is that there's enough CRMs in the marketplace because you have college CRMs, you have professional CRMs, and the price point for CMs have gone down considerably. So I think that's where the real action is. Now, I do know that, you know, in some of the ATSs, they're building more functionality in there around the talent communities and be able to doing stuff, but it's still very limited. It's not as it's not as agile as you may want. So, you know, I do, you know, ask my team to to make sure that the silver medalists or other people that are good cultural fit are identified and they're kept in a set, you know, they're they're somehow um 
put in a separate pool that when we do have openings, we do find things that we try to stimulate interest. But you remember in today's marketplace, how long is a candidate who's not placed on the market? You know, I used to be, we always talked about how often do we purge the applicant tracking system? And many of us would have people in there for years and years. But the reality is I think it's gotten a short, shorter, ter- shorter, you know, lifespan that most of those people are gone in three months. It used to be a year, used to be six months. I think most of those people have moved on in about three months. So the applicant tracking system is a good system of record, but I think the CRMs are really where the activity happens. You know, the fact that people turn over quickly means that they're likely to turn over quickly again. So so I, I actually think that uh, those older resumes are really qualified uh, prospects that you ought to yes, nurture they're prospects, in, yeah. indefinitely into the, into the future. Um, and it, it, particularly in today's world, I mean, the world of work is, according to the JOLTS report, there are two openings for every job seeker right now. Uh, we're at what, 3.5% unemployment in the last report. The uh, Federal Reserve's definition of full employment is somewhere between 5 and 5.2%. So we're, we're basically at full employment, which means that there's very little give in the system. And the only way we're going to fill those positions is to take a look at those silver medalists that you've been talking about. But, but they, 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 And I agree with you, but here's here's the other side of that. I know Twice I've moved from applicant tracking systems and had that period of time when we were not on anything. You know, you, you have that transition period. And what I did with one of my organizations is with all the candidates that were in an applicant tracking database, I said, let's try all of them. We stayed in touch with them and let them know that we were going offline and we'd love, you know, we, go, we were going back online. We gave them a date and we'd love to stay in touch with them. Then what we did was we actually used SMS technology um, if they and said to them, you know, we'd love for you to, to now uh, look at our jobs or whatever. We did a whole campaign around it. And when I looked at the and we did SMS instead of email because the data said that people are more likely to respond to a text. It's short, it's quick. Do you know, want to opt in? You want to opt out? Um, and we did it for I think it was like two weeks. Uh, candidates that were in our database younger, and which I mean, which meant within a year, were more likely to click on the job, click on the link, and say, I'm interested in learning more. The candidates that we had in the database that were out there a long time, they never, they never clicked on it to look at it. And so that's why I'm saying my experience has been they're not engaged with you. Not that we wouldn't want to be interested in you, but they're not engaged with you. It's like they have a short time span. You know, I know I've applied for jobs, I don't know, years ago, and someone will send me randomly an email saying, um, here's our job list. And I'm like, did I apply for a job for them? I, I don't remember. It's been so long ago. So I think our attention span in today's market is, is about a year you know, the, the, about a year people are still interested, unless you are cultivating them. Ex- exactly. Unless you're messaging them on a regular basis and, and doing more than just shooting job at them, you're actually building a relationship with them. Okay. Technology number three, employee productivity monitoring. Gartner says this technology won't reach its plateau of productivity for five to 10 years. But I got to tell you, I, I read a lot of business reports that saying it's already being rapidly installed in the workplace because employers are nervous about the whole work from home phenomenon. You know, they they aren't satisfied with just measuring output. 
they really want to know that their employees aren't goofing off, that they have their noses to the grindstone. It's kind of like Frederick Taylor meets uh, meets the computer. They they really feel like they have to look over employees' shoulders. What do you think? Do 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 you think that this stuff? I mean, Gartner says that this technology has the potential to improve the employee experience. I find that hard to believe. What do you think? I think I think it's I think it's a trust thing. You know, do you trust the results? So, if you have business targets, if you have KPIs, if you have measures of performance around success, you should trust trust the results. If you have to put in technology to see how often I'm online, how often my eyeballs are on a particular thing, then I think your 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 trust level with your employees erodes over time. Because you don't trust that I'm doing it the way you want me to do, but you say you want me to come to the organization, bring my whole self, get things done. So if if I'm a non if I'm an employee and I have a uh, a unique life situation that means I start my day at four o'clock in the morning, and between twelve and one I'm offline, and then I come back on at six. If I get it done, it shouldn't matter how I get it done. I think many of these productivity tools are measuring the wrong things. Well, you know, we we have had this productivity management thing, if you will, in talent acquisition for a long time, at least in certain segments. In, in the staffing industry, for example, they've at least some companies have for a long time, they've measured the number of calls that recruiters make because they've calculated it takes X number of calls to fill an opening. They they know what it takes to get the job done. What about with you know corporate enterprise uh, employer uh, recruiters? Do you, do you think the technology is going to work there? Well, you know, back to your point about the number of calls, I think that was a historical benchmark. But I may now be the great recruiter who didn't call anybody. I reach out to my social media network and I'm able to to put up a TikTok at nine o'clock at night and get 15 leads by eight o'clock the next morning. And I'm not calling anybody because now I've used efficient use of my time to get there. So I think that we have to question assumptions about that's why I go back to how we get the work done. Does it matter how I get it done if I'm ethical? But it matters that I get it done. That's what I think. That's why I say I think it measures the wrong things. It takes some standard, some whatever to get it done. Same thing used to be true in call centers. You know, um, you have to be in the office and you have to sit in a, a, a pod of people to be effective in call centers. Well, guess what? We just proven that's not um, that's not correct, because when many of us shut down in call centers, we're not a team anymore. People were operating out of their house and they were getting on calls and they were whatever. They were some of them were actually much more productive. So I think we just need to question assumptions sometimes. Well, technology number four is something that we've obviously talked a lot about uh, in talent acquisition. But here we're talking about it, DEI in HCM. Now, Gartner says it's also going to be five to 10 years before these solutions have achieved mainstream adoption. Uh, And uh, I I, I think it, it believes that that long timeline is due to a lack of clarity about just what the precise challenges are in HCM technology. Uh, I, I think in contrast, we're pretty clear about 
what needs to be improved in talent technology. We know, for example, as we were talking about earlier, about how chatbots and and AI-based interviewing and assessment solutions can uh, introduce bias into the recruiting process. So we're we're on the lookout for it uh, right now. That doesn't mean it's easy to avoid, but but at least we're aware of it. So so what do you think, Shalil? Are we closer than five to ten years for mainstream adoption of tech solutions that can advance DEI in talent acquisition? I'm going to say I think we're I think we're much closer. I, well, first of all, I think we've arrived in certain areas. I mean, I've seen technology that makes you know names and things blind. So, you know, the recruiter can pass on information to the hiring manager and everything that's gender identifying, ethnicity identifying has been blinded out. I've seen that technology. Um, I saw tech, you know, technology a couple of years ago around writing job descriptions to help um, uh, diversity. So it would go through your creative job descriptions with technology to help you do that. Um, I one of the technologies I looked at a couple of years ago at a, um, a director employers conference, and I've looked at it again this year, was uh, higher scored. And what I liked about higher scored is it sat on the front end of the apply process and it learned from the job description. It learned from candidate selection to go through the screening process and the hire. And it was neutral. Right. It was neutral and being able to recommend candidates because, you know, the, the thing we always have is how do you stop um, stack rank candidates to push them through the pool? So it had the ability to do that. What I always challenge technology is, does it learn bad behaviors? So if I hire Susie. Um, because there's something unique about Susie's background. You know, I, 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 there was a job description for this. But guess what? She had pharmaceutical sales and high tech sales. Wow, two challenging environments. I really liked Susie, um, but that wasn't in the job description. But but her profile was kind of cool. Well, over time, the system learns from the people you hire, you know, how to sort of weight the factors in the job description. So I asked, can it learn bad behaviors? So if 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 you have a a manager who likes salespeople. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw something out there. Not a bad thing, but some people like to say, I think my best salespeople come from the military. Okay. So that's my profile of good salespeople. Well, guess what? The percentage of women in the military, you know, has only been the last, you know, last 10, 15 years increased to a number that there's significant numbers. So you're probably slanting more of your hiring to males. Well, the system has learned that military is something that has a high weight to it. So it's learning bad behavior. So that's my only thing around around some of this technology is what is it put into the system? But overall, I would to answer your question, I think that technology is already there. I think we're using it, but we got to remember most DNI DNI technology is geared toward the US. And as we're global companies, you know, we can't track this stuff in other 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 countries. The thing that they track globally is gender. So the question is, how does these technologies help us, you know, um, you know, close the gender gap in many other countries? And that's the piece that I don't think is very clear yet. I also think there is a a, a hidden danger. Uh, I mean, I'm a big proponent of the technology. I think uh, hired scores is a, a great solution in, in this particular area. Uh, but we have to remember that the technology here is a job aid. Uh, and there's still a human being somewhere involved in the process. And we have to recognize that we humans often have unconscious bias that creeps into 
uh, into the recruiting process. So we have to, yes, we want to use the technology to full advantage, but we also want to make sure that we keep an eye on ourselves uh, and make sure that we're well-trained, that we're uh, that we're monitoring our own behavior in an appropriate way so that between the the two poles, the, the human being and the technology, we get the best talent into the openings. Okay, uh, looks like we only have time for one more. Uh, the report covered blockchain in HCM. I'm, I'm going to skip over that because I think it has a relatively... Uh, relatively small role in talent acquisition. I'll probably hear some uh, some unhappy feedback <laughs> about that, but that's okay. But I, I would like to look at the last technology they covered, which is uh, AR and VR applications. Now they were focused on corporate learning, and and here they said it was going to be ten years before these solutions have any real mainstream adoption. I think it could happen a lot sooner in talent acquisition. Uh, and, and here's why. I, I don't think it's too great a leap to move from the kinds of things we do now, employee, culture, day in the life videos, uh, to the use of virtual reality for a more immersive candidate experience in some of those areas. I mean, the technology clearly has to get a lot less clunky, but assuming it makes that leap, I think it could be really be a, a game changer. You could take a finalist, for example, and you could embed him or her in the actual experience of the work team that they are going to prospectively join and give them a really accurate, genuine, high-fidelity uh, experience for what the work would actually be like on the job. What do you think, Shalil? Is that too Star trek or, or No, we... and actually, it's, it's being done. I mean, I can't remember the company. It got recently it got acquired the last couple of years, but they did a lot of that for our um, – for um, laborer type jobs, uh, truck driving, um, manufacturing, all of that, giving you a day in the life and a preview of what that work looked like. Um, it also, I saw that they, uh, so what they did was they embedded, they, they studied the jobs that you had that had the highest turnover in those, in those um, areas. And then what it did was it created work-life videos of what it was to do. It would stop the video at certain points in the process, and it would ask the candidate, how would you handle the situation, right? And so it was giving you a virtual tour, but it also put you under the stress. I saw them do it for uh, labor jobs and manufacturing, but I also saw them do it for call centers, like, you know, you're working in the call center. And at that time, it was telecom when I saw it. You're working in telecom and someone calls you with this. How do you respond? You know, and it gave them several, you know, scenarios. So I've seen it. I've seen it play itself out um, in the interview and assessment process. Um, I remember one years and years ago when I worked in telecom, one of the things that we gave uh, candidates the option to do, we had a unionized and a non-unionized environment. In the unionized environment, you could do a ride along. You could do a day in the life of, you could actually shadow. Uh, you know, now I guess, you know, with uh, a risk management would be crazy about that, but you could actually shadow uh, a job. You actually could do a ride along. You could see what someone is doing as a net tech, as an installer. You could actually see what it looked like um, because you can explain to someone a net tech does this. And then they realize, oh, my God, you had to have computer skills because you had, you had an iPad with you and you were entering data and the, about the person's house, dimensions, all that. It wasn't just the installation pieces. There were other pieces to it. So um, that stuff actually exists. 
I think it comes in handy in, in many jobs. There's some jobs I don't think it lends itself to, but there are some jobs where you just can't imagine the the stress or whatever. There used to be a show on TV called Dirty Jobs. Did you ever watch that show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love Dirty Jobs. And what I thought was so interesting about Dirty Jobs was the people who had the dirtiest jobs seemed to have the highest employee satisfaction. You know, like there were, I watched this one time, I, I didn't know it was a job. The people who clean up crime scenes, right? If you would show me a video of what it meant to take that job, I don't know if I'd take it. But when I saw those people and how they felt like they were restoring the lives of others, because you've had a murder in your house and you've come back and you're, you're traumatized and they've come back and made your life perfect again, not perfect again, but erased the situation you know, the gratitude they felt from the work that they did. You, you might not get it in a video, but I felt like that was very, very interesting. But yeah, I think that um, that technology is here. And I think that technology is very useful. If I was a truck driver, I would like to know what it means to be isolated on the road. And I'm driving down the road and there's not a restaurant or a hotel or a bathroom for several hundred miles. You know, I'd like to know that because that's the route I'm going to drive for the next five years. You know, I'd like to know that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our show. Uh, you know, Shalila and I could go on uh, a lot longer. This is a wonderful report. Again, it's Gartner's report uh, on six emerging human capital management technology trends. You can download it from uh, Gartner's website. Uh, our next show is going to focus on the rise of text recruiting and its business impact. It's a report from Aptitude Research. So please come on back and join us. You can listen directly to our shows at tatech.org forward slash start dash smart or download the show from Spotify or Apple and Google Podcasts. Thanks very much for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.